goes out to every searcher trying to fill that empty space well your searching days are over now everything's about to change This goes out to every outcast, to the just don't quite fit in. Every wrong way, runaway rebel, so ashamed of where you've been. This goes out to every searcher, trying to fill that empty space.
God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? It's good to be alive. Would you stand with me, please, as we enter into a time of worship and praise, celebrating that Jesus is alive and so are we in Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, this beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for each person gathered here and those who are watching on the live stream. That, Father God, you speak to our hearts, we pray, Father, today, by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the authority of your word. We pray, Father, we would leave differently than we came. If we came in sad, we'd leave happy. If we came in discouraged, we'd leave with courage. If we came in sick, we'd leave healed. We came in under the, the weight of pressures, we'd leave lifted up by your presence. We ask your touch today. Anoint the singing, the praise, the worship, the word to your glory and your honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give some praise to the Lord.
everybody can gather back in, find your seats. Amen, amen. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Oh, hi. How you doing? I don't have to call you down this time. If you want to stand up. We want to welcome our guest here today to Trinity. If you're visiting for the first time, just slip up your hand. And I was corrected on this. I always say Mark because I thought it was a more professional way to go about things. But I was called out last week that I should call him Grandpa. So my grandpa will be walking down the aisle. So if you're new with us today, just slip up your hand and he will give you a communication. Can we get a round of applause for our guest today? Pastor, thank you for helping out the, the older men of the church. Yeah. Um, today we have our youth fundraiser to go to Fine Arts, and that will be held after service in the fireside room. We are having meatball subs. You are welcome to dine in. Um, if you are doing takeout, though, we still need you to come down and make your order. There are a lot of different options you can have on your tickets. So to avoid confusion as much as possible, please come downstairs to make your order, and then we can all have a great time of fellowship together. Not many announcements today, but the youth is going, the youth are, I'm bad at grammar. The youth are going to fine arts this weekend, so if you could just say a prayer for them as they go out and they just see the many things that they can do to worship God through that and through their special talents and abilities. If everybody wants to stand up and join me in a time of worship again. Jacob 
Way through.
is in his house today by the power of his Holy Spirit. Holy ground is wherever he is, and he privileges us to step into as well. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you that this becomes holy ground when you're here. In any other time, it's just a building. It's just brick and mortar. There's just carpet and seating. But when you step in, when you step in, it becomes a house of worship. It becomes the very presence of your holiness. Father, meet with your people today, I pray, in the matchless, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, give him a shout of praise today. Praise God. You may be seated momentarily. <laughs> I sung myself out of my voice this morning. They took several of my key points of my message in the songs. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I believe very firmly God has a word for you today and has privileged me to share it with you. It's not my word. Those of you who come and attend our Wednesday morning Bible studies know that we're going through book by book by book by book by book and we're looking at principles of prayer in each book of the Bible. And it's been a powerful time of studying God's Word and seeing prayer principles that are found therein. Prayer by the book is what we call it. And my pattern is this, that prior to, for weeks prior to any particular book we're looking at, I'm reading it through again and again and again and again, which is much easier on the smaller books. I'll put it that way. And several weeks I've been reading through last week's book. We were looking at prayer principles in the book of Jonah. And I forewarned the folks that were there Wednesday morning that uh, you're going to hear about Jonah again because... God spoke to my heart some things in this book that I'm to share with you today and those who are watching on the live stream and maybe listening later. You say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, then you, you just cheer somebody else and pray for, pray for the rest of us, okay? It would have been good today if I had a microphone with a cord attached, because I need to be reeled in today. I'm excited about this message. I might get carried away. We might be here a while, but you're in comfortable seats. Okay. Semi, anyway. The Lord focused my attention in on one phrase. 
one word. And we're going to explore it today. Of what God would say to each of us. Would you be bold enough to say a prayer right now and say, Lord, speak to me today. Now, if you're a Jonah, <laughs> he wasn't all that thrilled when God spoke to him. Amen? Initially. And later on, he wasn't all that thrilled either. But if you'd be bold enough, I believe God has a word for us today. Would you stand with me, please, for just one word, one verse, one verse. You can sit back down and be comfortable for a while. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Father, speak something fresh to our hearts today to encourage, strengthen, correct, channel. Speak to us today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please keep your Bibles open to Jonah. We're going some other places there in just a little while. It all centers around one word. Prepared. Prepared. It said that God prepared a great fish. In chapter 4, verse 6, and the Lord God prepared a gourd. And then in verse 7, it says in chapter 4, verse 7, God prepared a worm. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 8, it says, and God prepared a ferocious east wind. It does not say that God created a great fish at that point in time. It does not say God created that gourd plant, that little bush. It does not say that God created the worm that sucked the life right out of that bush. And it does not say that God created the ferocious east wind. It said he prepared it. Say it with me prepared it now how many of you have ever created a meal no you prepared it right you got all the ingredients together and you prepared the meal wouldn't it be kind of cool that you would be able to create a meal uh, that's why the why the microwave is so popular but uh, but when you prepare something there's some effort and some time involved in it. There's a preparation that's going on. There's a preparing. There are things that need to be set in order. And the word there in the scripture for prepared is mana in the Hebrew, and it means to set things in a precise order, to number 
or to make a process to accomplish something. Prepared means that somebody's watching over the process of what's going on. God prepared those things, and that word is used multiple times in that book, that prophecy. We find in the scriptures other places where that word, mana, is used. It said, teach someone to mana or to number their days to be pleasing to the Lord. It's a process. It's not just well, automatically, I'm pleasing to God today. No, it's a step-by-step -step process that we are involved in. It's not that we're saved and then we're immediately promoted into his presence. No, there's a process at work, preparation. How many of you were instantaneously today ready to walk out the door, and you're all just looking so wonderful this morning, just so great. Nah. How many of you have ever wished that that were possible? Linda has often said, if I could just be ready and not have to go through the process of getting ready, I'd be fine. How many of you find that the process sometimes takes all the desire out of you to do something. We got a hold of some of these uh, pre-done meals. That's a loose term. And they send you all the stuff to prepare a dish. Well, we ate one of them. Whole lot of preparation going on. A lot of work to prepare that meal. I didn't know it was worth it. Linda says, well, that's very tasty. I said, yeah, three of them would have filled me up. <laughs> Preparation, being prepared. It said that the Lord God prepared. He set a process in motion to happen so that that fish was ready at the right time, at the right place, so that the, the gourd plant was right where it was. He did a process. He didn't say, appear, I create you now. No. God was watching over the preparation. God was watching over the process. And you say, well, this is kind of boring, Pastor. I have no idea where in the world you're going. Well, stick around. It said that God prepared a great fish. Now, I know Bible story books have it all messed up. It does not say there was a whale. It doesn't say anything about a whale. Because then you've got these so-called specialists. Well, you know, a whale can't do that. Well, didn't say one did. But even if it was a whale, it was not just any old whale. It was not just a whale that was, was uh, birthed in the seas of the Mediterranean and, and grew up and matured and had a whale family and a whale of a good time. It was a specific fish God prepared. 
God was watching over that fish, whether it was a whale or not. I don't care. It was not an ordinary thing. It was one that God prepared. You know, when God prepares something, it's something special. God prepared heaven, amen? Oh, God prepared heaven, and it's something special. When God prepares something, it's special. It says that he prepared that great fish. And it doesn't say it was a whale, but even if it was, it was a special one. Because God took personal oversight over the life of that whale, that fish. A great fish large enough to swallow a man whole and keep him alive. And people say, well, there you go. You can't, can't do that. Well, no, you can't. We've been, we've been looking for that fish. We've been exploring that fish. Well, you know what? You're not going to find that fish because that was one special great fish that Almighty God took sovereign control over the preparation so that at the right place, at the right time, at the right season, amidst a great storm, that God could have it right where he wanted it, he prepared a place for Jonah to rest for a while and to get his act together. Now, it doesn't say it was a whale. Say it with me. It, it doesn't say it's a whale. But even if it was, a whale grows to maturity in 10 to 12 years. So at least in our storyline here, God had been working for 10 or 12 years. You know, it doesn't take God a long time to do something. He was preparing and making that one special fish for one special occasion at a designated point in time to provide a special safe place for a prophet who was running from God. Whew. What a God we serve. It wasn't just any old fish that leaped up and said, I think I'll have lunch. God had prepared and positioned. You know, I don't know exactly all the numbers and how they compute it of all the water, the salt water in the world. I don't know how many gallons there are. I don't know how large all the seas and oceans that are salt water are. But I know that there was only one place at one time in history that a fish that God had prepared was at the right place at the right time for the right purpose that God had intended. God prepared. One solitary fish out of all the fish. In Genesis we find out and he created the, all the the life in the sea. But he prepared one special fish to be at the right time, the right place for the right purpose. In the foreknowledge of God, 
How many of you have a hunch that God might know some of the stupid things you might do? And he's prepared for it way in advance. Oh, child of God, don't you understand? Your stupidity does not stump God, nor does mine. He prepared that fish long before Jonah was probably even born for that time. He prepared way in advance a place for Jonah to think things over, to ruminate <laughs> over God's call, God's purpose, God's will, God's plan. What a God we serve, folks. Before you ever did something stupid and found yourself in a really dumb place, God was working on that place for you to reconsider your stupidity. You say, you're saying, I'm stupid. No, I'm saying I am. And I think we all have something in common there. I want you to think about this. The place that you are in right now in life, the situations you're going through, the predicaments in which you find yourself, could they be? Is it possible? that those places you're in were placed there so that God could get your attention, correct your course, get you turned around and moving in the right way according to his will. Could you accept that it's possible? That fish was there by divine sovereign preparation a prepared place for Jonah to cool his heels for a while. You say, well, couldn't there have been a better place? Well, you know, sometimes we have to be in some pretty bad places to reconsider because we're of a nature stubborn. I know nobody here is. Not a one of you stubborn. A place prepared by God so that Jonah could think things over in a safe situation to reconsider what God had called him to do. To get your attention. How many of you think it might get your attention if you were lopped out of, thrown out of a boat and you were immediately golfed? You see, Jonah's plan was, I'm going to die. I won't have to listen to this any longer. God want me to go and preach to those Ninevites. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, just throw me overboard. That'll put an end to everybody's problem. But God wasn't done with Jonah. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Some of you here today have gotten to the place where you say, I wish I'd just died. I wish I was just out of my misery. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like the place I'm in. I don't like the storms of life that I'm facing. I don't like the hurt and the pain and the, the things that I'm going through. I just want to end it all. I want God to take my life. I just want to be out of here. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer all your prayers? God's not finished with you yet. 
if you have even contemplated that, oh, I wish I was just, I'd rather be in heaven. Yeah, of course. Duh. I'd rather, I, oh, just take me home now, Jesus. Well, you know, if he wanted to, he would without your request. You know, he has that kind of power. He could bring you home right now. You remember the fool in the New Testament, Jesus said, he said, boy, things are going real well on the farm this year. I got all of my fields are full of grain and, and I'm going to bring in the hay and I'm going to bring in all the crops and, you know, I'm going to tear down these barns because I need bigger barns to hold all the stuff. And Jesus said, God said, you fool, don't you know? I'm calling you into eternity right now. God's not finished with you yet, friend. That's why you're still here. And only those who are still alive will be hearing this message. Amen? But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through. Could it be, just possibly, that what you're going through is a place that God has prepared so that you can learn something? That where you, what you're going through is not where you're headed to. Your current place, it, perhaps it's prepared by God for you to learn something, to reconsider some things, to get your act together, to get your priorities straight. You're not, where you're at is not where you're supposed to wind up. God has you still around because he has plans for you. He still had plans for Jonah. Jonah didn't want any part of the plan. He wanted to opt out. He said, I'll just have him throw me overboard. I, why didn't he jump? You ever think about that? He told the sailors, they said, you know, what, what can we do to stop this bad storm? They were praying to their idols. They're playing all their idols, and, and uh, nothing was going to happen there because they're just old pieces of stone and wood. But you know what? He said, you throw me overboard and everything will be fine. I've, I've violated the Lord's call on my life. And, but he didn't jump, did he? He wanted somebody else to do the job for him. Uh, and they did. But God wasn't finished with him yet. One word for you today, my friend, is you're here because God's not finished with you yet. All of us are here because God's not finished with us yet. There may be somebody listening and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. You're not living for Him. I've got some great news. God's not finished with you yet either. He doesn't want you to go into eternity and burn forever in a place called hell. He wants to spend eternity rejoicing with you over the victory of sins forgiven and life turned around. God's not finished with me yet. Oh, every once in a while I get in those pity parties, don't you? Or is it just me? Well, 
Take me home, Lord. I haven't done much with the ministry you've given me. I haven't helped very many people. There's all these big ministries out there and tens of thousands of people, and I, I, got, a, I got some empty seats in the church. Take me home. God was speaking loudly to me this week, and he wants me to scream it to you. God's not finished with you yet. It may be something he wants to teach you in the place that you're in. He prepared it for you. Maybe he wants you to learn something. Maybe he wants you to reconsider something. Maybe he wants you to get your priorities straight. But whatever that prepared place may be, it's not what you're going through, my friend. It's where you're going to. It's not what you're going through. It's where you're headed to. We see it throughout Scripture. It's not a permanent place, that place that God has you in, in times like this with Jonah. He didn't want him to spend the rest of his life in the belly of a fish. His plan was not for him to be caught one day, this, this big fish, and then say, well, looky there. There's a scrawny old prophet inside that fish. No. His preparation was for a temporary time. He was preparing that fish for a place for Jonah to get his act together. It was not a permanent place. It was not the end game of God for Jonah to be in the fish. It was just a spot, a place prepared just for him. I suggest that the Spirit of the Lord, as I was reading that again and again and again, that God said, I'm prepared some places that my people are in, not for their destruction, not for them to be destroyed, not for them to be injured, not for them to be harmed, but I have prepared certain places so that they might learn of me, so that they might see me in a different way, that they might reconsider their ways, that they might reconsider their commitment to me, that they might get their head on straight about the priorities of God. I have prepared a place for my people because I'm not done with them yet. Some of you are wanting an easy out. Don't throw anything. Some of you want an easy out. Well, you know, it's been so hard. Yeah. I bet Jonah could share with you the place that you're going through. What you're going through is not the place you're headed to. God has better plans for you. He has better plans for me. It was not a permanent place, but a prepared place to give Jonah another chance, another option, a change of heart. It was a place preparing him. Throughout the scripture, we see it. There's Moses, backside of the desert, it says, watching over sheep. He'd been in the king's palace, the Pharaoh's palace before, but now... Here he is, messing with sheep. 
stinking sheep. But the place he was going through was not the place he was headed to. Can I get a shout from anybody? That backside of the desert was just a prepared place for him to find his real purpose. It was while he was in that prepared place on the backside of the desert that he looked aside and he saw a bush that burned and was not consumed. And he said, you know what? I think I'm going to see what that's all about. And he went up to the place he was headed to. And that was the presence of Almighty God. And he had a calling and an empowerment and an anointing and a purpose. And he led two million captive Jews out of captivity because what he was going through was not where he was headed to. He's in a chain gang headed towards Egypt, this young fella named Joseph. His brothers had sold him into slavery. He's going onto the auction block of slavehood in Egypt. Just his luck. The guy that was high bidder was the chief executioner of Pharaoh. There was a place he was going through. He stood for the Lord there and refused the enticements of Potiphar's wife and he wound up in a worse place in Pharaoh's prison house. And he's there for several years. But the place he was going through was not the place, hallelujah, that he was headed to. He was in that place for a long time, and yet the place that he wound up, the place that God had planned for him to be was sitting on the right hand of Pharaoh, second in command over all of Egypt and providing a place for his brothers and sisters back in Israel to come during a famine and find help. The place he was going through was not the place he was headed to. He was headed to a position to help and assist. And it said, he said it, he learned his lesson. He said to his brothers when he revealed who he was, and they're saying, uh-oh, what we did to him, he's going to kill us. He said, no, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. I tell you, church, the place you're going through, what you're going through is not the place you're headed to. Look at other places in the Word. Three young Hebrew teenagers in a foreign land, they were going through a fiery furnace trial, but that's not where they were headed to. They were thrown into the fiery furnace 
And everybody said, that's it. Even the ones who threw them in perished in the fire. But that's, they were going through it, but that was not where they were headed to. They were headed to a fiery furnace, but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was walking there with them. What you're going through is not what you're headed to. Preparation. Preparation. They were going through a storm, the disciples were. Jesus was nowhere to be found. He got off the boat before they launched out. They didn't realize it. As the storm grew worse and worse and was overflowing their boat, Jesus had been interceding for them on the mountain. What they were going through was not what they were headed to. What they were going through was a period of time where they felt that all was lost and then they saw something special. They saw something unique. They looked out and they thought it was a ghost. They couldn't believe what they saw, but they saw Jesus walking on top of the waves, coming out to where they were, and he stepped inside the boat, and the Bible says that when he stepped inside the boat, the storm calmed, and then they arrived safely at their destination. What you're going through, child of God, is not where you're headed to. For some of you today, Jesus is coming to you. He's walking in your direction. You're in a stormy situation. You're overwhelmed by what you're going through. You're, you're, you're wishing that you'd just drown, that you'd just give up. Master, we're perishing. But Jesus is just about ready to step inside your boat. Oh, can you believe it with me, child of God? You're storm-tossed. You're, you're going through a terrible time, a storm that's risen up, and it seems that Jesus is nowhere to be found. But I see Jesus walking towards your boat right now. Would you let Jesus step in today? Would anybody here let Jesus step into your boat? Can anybody stand to your feet and say, step in my boat. Step in my boat today, Jesus. Step in my boat. Step in my boat. Because what you're going through is not what you're going to. Whew. It's not a permanent place. It's only temporary. You say, but what if the sickness I'm going through is unto death? Well, what you're going through is not where you're headed to. Oh, hallelujah. There may be sickness in my body. There may be pain in my joints. There may be afflictions that I have. There may be limitations I endure, but what I'm going through, child of God, it's not, it's not where I'm going to. I'm going to go to a place one day at the Lord's calling where there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no cancer, there's no heart attacks, there's no strokes, there's none of that. 
no pain, no sickness, no death, no separation from the redeemed. What I'm going through is not where I'm headed to. Oh my, I better get back to this message. Part of the armor of the saint, the preparation of the gospel of peace, Ephesians tells us. What you're going through is not what you're going to. There's a preparation going on. The gospel is preparing us. The place that we're in may be preparing us, but the gospel also wants to prepare us. I found it time and time again how that what I'm going through was not the end result, but years before God had been speaking things into my heart, into my life, challenging me so that I was ready for what I was going through because I had clear sights on where I'm going to. What you're going through is not where you're going to. This could very well be a time of preparation for you right now. Say, but it's so bad. Doesn't get much worse than being stuck in the belly of a fish. I don't even like the smell of fish. Can you imagine what it smells like on the inside? For Jonah, it was a time of reconsidering his path, his decisions, his relationship with the Lord. And then it says in chapter 2, verse 1, then, after three days and nights, wouldn't take me that long, I don't think. I'm a slow learner, but I'm not that slow. Some of you are real stubborn. It may, may, you may be a two-day stubborn prayer or a three-day. Some of you have been in there for a while into that stinky situation that God's trying to teach you something and you just refuse to learn it. It can be graduation day when you learn what God's trying to teach you in that place of preparation, the place he prepared for you. The place you're right in, in right now, is either a place of preparation or a long-term situation. Your choice. Jonah didn't stay in that place prepared for him any longer until he learned his lesson and prayed to God and got his act together. Some of you are afraid of saying yes to God because you know what God has already required of you. The stinky place is not worth staying in. When he was deposited, I don't know what, I don't can't imagine what the insides of a fish smell like, but I cannot even imagine what fish puke smells like. He said he vomited him up on the shore and he's covered with the stuff. But Jonah did not say, you know, I think I'll go back. Fish, oh fish, 
No, there's great victory when you get out of that teaching place. God prepared a teaching place for Jonah, a safe place to teach him to get his act together and to say yes to God. He didn't stay one moment longer till he'd learned the lesson. I got to move on, but, well, my watch fell off. It's all, I got all the time in the world. Uh, I don't know what the educational system in America is like today, but, but in my day, how many of you remember when you had to pass certain things before you got to go to the next grade? Remember that? I'm not going to show, get a show of hands of those you didn't and you were held back. I don't want to know. I don't want to think any less of you. But I had some dear friends and they were passing out the report cards. And on the back of those old printed report cards was a place assigned to, and then I had the next grade. And I was very intent on turning that thing to the back and making sure, because I, I wasn't afraid of the teachers and I wasn't afraid of the education. But I'd take that thing home and have Dad sign it. That did make me afraid. Why, I had you in that school all year long and you didn't know what you needed to know and you didn't pass. You see, you got to pass the test before you can move on to the next class. You see, some of you haven't passed the test yet. God has you in a place prepared for you to learn what he's trying to teach you. And you're refusing to learn. Ooh. Mm-mm. If it said, if it hurts, say ouch. The Bible is full of places where it says, teach me, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me to know thy will. Teach me. Order my steps according to your, your steps. Uh, teach me. Teach me. And where, whatever place you're in right now, it's not a great place, it's not a happy place, perhaps, but it's a place prepared for you to learn what God wants you to learn. You say, well, I have no clue, Pastor. I don't know. Ask him. The God who put you in the place has a desired result because he did not intend the place that you're in to be the place you're going to forever. Ask him, Lord, what, what do you, what do you want to do in my life? What, what changes do I need to make? What, what needs to happen in me? Teach me. Teach me. And then there's a graduation day. Somebody shout. But <laughs> when I graduated from third grade. When I did all the stuff I needed to learn in third grade, I thought I'd arrived. But you know what? I went to another class. I went to fourth grade. 
And then I, I graduated, I went to fifth grade. I had Mrs. Shively. And I wished I was back in fourth grade. Because <laughs> Mrs. Shively was teaching me things I really didn't want to know. When you graduate from the place you're in, it may be stinky, it may be uncomfortable, inconvenient, you wish you'd die, but God still has plans for you. Don't think that once you graduate, once you learn what he has you to learn, that that's the end of your learning. Because as long as you're still here, he still has a purpose and a plan for you. Well, pastor, I'm getting up in years. I can't do what I used to do. Well, that's a good thing, because some of the things you used to do weren't any good. My pleasure. I've been around some of my biblical characters too long. That was a line from Noah. The things that you're doing are no good. <laughs> but look at, just quickly, look at some of these other preparations that were done for Jonah's good. Chapter 4, verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He was waiting on God's wrathful judgment to hit Nineveh. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it to come up over him that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Just at the right time. It doesn't say that it accidentally grew there. God prepared it in advance. I don't know how long it takes a, a plant to grow up big enough for it to give you shade, but at least that long. God been watching over it. God been preparing that shady spot. A respite from his misery. But he was going to use it as an illustrated message to Jonah's heart and life. A repentant Jonah had been vomited out of the fish's belly, cleaned himself off, and went to Nineveh. He had a long time to get his messages ready, but he didn't need a lot of time because all his message was, you've sinned against God, God's going to wipe you out to the last person. You're going to be under God's judgment. Fire from heaven's going to fall. You're all lost. And Jonah was happy about it because he didn't like the people of Nineveh. They weren't Jews. They, he, he hated them. He says so in his own personal testimony in the book. Read the book. And, and, and so he preaches. He starts at one end of the city-state of Nineveh, and he starts preaching. Every, he, he'd run up against a little family out farm, and he says, You realize you've con you're condemned to die? God is going to send a wrathful judgment. You're all going to be fricasseed beyond recognition. You're going to die, Nineveh. You're going to die. Little children running back into the house. Bobby, Bobby, he said, yes, you are. And every place he stopped, he'd go to the shopping malls. He'd go to the places around. He'd look up everybody. He preached his way across the entire country. But word got to the king before he ever got to the king. And the king heard what he was preaching, that judgment was coming because they rejected the one true God. 
and the king, the Holy Spirit moved upon him and said, you know what? Just maybe. God will spare us if we repent. I don't know him. I've never met God. But we're going to start a fast and a prayer, and we're going to call out to the one true God of the Hebrews that just maybe judgment will be averted. And the Bible says that God heard their prayer. Wicked Nineveh's prayer. Never been to church, never went to a revival service, never had a Sunday school, but they were convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. And they repented, and God said, I've changed my mind because I love this world. I sent Jonah there to preach repentance and they responded. That's what I wanted anyway. Jonah didn't like it. He wanted them to fry. He wanted them to be toast. Unrecognizable toast. And so God set up an object lesson. There he is. He is hot and sweaty from preaching fire and judgment all across Nineveh, and he's sitting there stewing. He's, he's upset. He just knows God's going to forgive him. He just knows it. Down deep, I knew you died. I want them to die. And so he's sitting there. The Lord says, I'm going to teach him something. So he prepared this gourd plant to go up and give him shade. He says, ah, that's better. I have a nice, safe place to watch them not be judged. He, he was thankful for that plant. But then the next morning, the Lord said, well, he's had it long enough. He prepared a worm. I don't know how long it takes a worm to grow. He didn't create it. He prepared it way in advance. And the worm said, hmm, I like gourd. So he ate at the roots of it, and the thing died, shriveled up and died. And there he is. He's mad. He's upset. Jonah's just sitting there seething. And he says, he makes a mistake. You've, you've done this. What else can go wrong? <laughs> right? What else? And the Lord says, well, I've prepared a little weather situation. It doesn't say he created it. He prepared a storm. A strong, east, ferocious Sirocco storm out of the desert to come across. And just, it was, they tell me that these kind of east storms in the desert will strip the paint off a car with the sand. It's like eradicating everything. It's like being sandblasted. So here he is. He's already angry. He's asked the, the million-dollar stupid question, what else could go wrong? And now he's being pelted with sand in a Sirocco east wind. And he cried out to the Lord, Lord, why didn't you let me die when I had a chance? And the Lord says, let me show you something. 
Did you plant the plant? Did you provide the place of safety in the fish? Did you stir up that fish to spit you out at the right place? Did you plant that gourd? Did you have that worm? Did you create that wind? No. And yet you're upset with me because I took your gourd house away. He said, you know what? You have yourself all messed up. You value a gourd more than you value a single soul in Nineveh. And you're willing them to perish in the flame. What you're going through may just be a place God has prepared for you to learn of him, to reconsider your lives, to get your priorities straight. Just consider it. And, and maybe there's some things the Lord's trying to teach you in the place that you're in. But know this, what you're going through, say it with me, is not where you're going to. God has plans for you. He's not given up on you. God, if you're still here, everybody taking a deep breath. Let it out. You're still breathing. He still has purpose for your life. And he may be using the situations of your life right now as a Holy Ghost object lesson to let you see how much a soul is worth. Quit cursing the storms. Give him praise that in the midst of it, Jesus is ready to step in the boat. Would you stand with me, please? The preparation of the Lord. Heavenly Father, for whoever this message is intended, I've tried to share it the way you shared it with me. That you prepare places for us not as your end game, but as a place for us to get closer to you, to learn of you, to reconsider our steps, our priorities. But what we're going through is not where we're headed to. Father, for those that are in what would appear to be a sinking ship of a situation, let them see you're ready to step in their boat today. I pray, Father, for this altar to be filled with people who say, Lord Jesus, teach me. If there's something I need to learn in the situation I'm in right now, Father, I want to learn it. I want to move on. I want to move ahead with you. If there's something that needs to be corrected, some attitude that needs to be changed. Some priority that needs to be put aright. Father God, teach me today. Father, I'm so thankful. As I look back over my life and I see the times 
that you stepped into my boat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I likewise pray that as God tried to teach Jonah the value of a human soul through an object lesson, Father, teach us the value of one lost soul headed towards hell and their need of Jesus. I pray these things, Father. I, I'm just trying to be a, a yielded servant to share your word. Speak to hearts. Speak to lives. Help us to quit cursing the storm. Start viewing the place that we're in as a temporary learning place. You've prepared because you have something better in store for each one. Father, meet with us right now, I pray. Send your Holy Spirit to draw people to this place of prayer today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 